From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. A special hello to all of you listening in on one of our affiliate stations across North America, those of you catching us on the podcast on iTunes, TuneIn.com, Stitcher Radio, TalkZone.com, those of you streaming us live on YouTube, and uh, don't forget the YouTube channel, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Uh, hit that subscribe button. Tell your friends about it. Get them to hit the subscribe button, where we want to reach 10,000 subs sometime by the end of the year. We've got quite a ways to go. Uh, those of you who take the show with you on your mobile device uh, with the uh, Conspiracy Show app, Fantastic app. However and wherever you are listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Open lines now until the bottom of the... Uh, let me give you the numbers right away. In the uh, greater Toronto area, 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. Toll free from just about anywhere, one 866 740 1-866-744-4740. If you'd like to talk about Planet X, rather chilling, rather chilling prediction coming from uh, Marshall Masters uh, that our sun's twin nemesis is heading this way on its 3600 uh, elliptical orbit. It's swinging around in, into our galactic neighborhood again, dragging with it a mini constellation, uh, which is going to cause some catastrophic events he says on earth he said you can bank on it before the end of 2017 christian numerologist uh, david mead said it's going to be september the 23rd not exactly sure how he arrived at that number if you want to talk about planet x are you a believer do you believe in nibiru planet x swinging by our planet every 3600 years it was responsible for the flood according to uh, that theory and it's coming by again uh, we can uh, we can go just about anywhere you want to take this. If you have ideas on how we can heal America, this is something I discussed Friday night on Coast to Coast. I think it's time for all of us to do some deep reflecting. And there's plenty of blame to pass around for what's going on in the United States, but it's not just in the United States. We have forgotten how to talk to each other. Politics is very divided, not just in the United States. It's happening around the world. Upon some reflection, I recognize I have allowed politics to take up too much space in my emotional life, and many of us have done that, or many of us are guilty of that. So one side likes to bait the other. I have been guilty of that. On social media, on the show, I've also been on the receiving end, you know, because I'm a conservative. You know, being uh, many, many conservatives have been labeled this, and they've been labeled that. Uh, the president has been labeled this, he's been labeled that. The president failed. Uh, he had an opportunity to quickly help uh, heal and unite the country by condemning these horrible, atrocious um, subhumans, white supremacists and Nazis and, cl and Klansmen, and calling them out. Um, so he needs to really get his act together in that regard. So if you have ideas, if you have some positive ideas to bring to the table on how we can go about healing this what started off as a rift I guess that rift's always been there but in in the last two weeks it seems now to be a chasm how do we bridge it 
416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-744-740. Just a reminder, scheduled at the bottom of the hour, uh, John Geddes, former SAS warrant officer, uh, sniper specialist, and uh, also served on medic patrol, worked alongside uh, U.S. Uh, Delta Force. Uh, it's called Be a Hero, the Essential Guide to Active Shooter Incidents, essentially a how-to guide on how to survive a terrorist attack. All right, uh, <clears throat> let us go to the uh, the phones, and we begin. Uh, let's see here. Let me just move this little screen over so I can see. There we go. Scott is in Minnesota. Hey, Scott, welcome to the Conspiracy Show. How are you? Hi. Hi there. Kind of warm. Kind of warm right now. It's warm in Minnesota, is it? Yeah, and muggy. So, I just wanted to say, you know, I get you guys uh, quite often here. Uh, if you look at a map of Minnesota, you'll see there's kind of like a V in the bottom portion of the state. Right. Mankato's at the very bottom of that V. Mankato. Minnesota River. Mankato. I remember the name of that town from Little House on the Prairie. Okay. <laughs> when Charles yeah. Ingalls needed to go to town for supplies and they didn't have it in town, he would go to Mankato. Well, with a horse and buggy, that's about a week. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. With a horse and buggy. Yeah. All right. So you, you're pulling us in. How do you listen to the show? On, on terrestrial radio, AM740, or on the online? How do you listen, Scott? AM7, AM740 radio. That's good to know that you can pull it in. Well, I often say, you know, from Maine to Minnesota and south to the Carolinas, so you're a testament to that. Yeah, during the daytime, there's a rock and roll station that shares uh, your number. That's right. And, At night, uh, we get to power up. That's because we have a clear channel <laughs> license. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll be watching a uh, partial solar eclipse here in town. All right. So you're not in the and, path of totality. You're outside. No, Minnesota's not. No. So you're going to get what? Maybe 70% eclipse? 70, 80%, something like that. Still, that's going to be impressive. Yeah. One of my birthdays back in the 60s, uh, we had a total eclipse. I think I was about eight at that time. Yes. I remember one in the early 70s. Uh, I was on my way to a birthday party around the block, and I remember just, you know, I, I had the fear of the Lord put in me that, you know, don't look at the sun, don't look at the sun. And so I just remember walking around the block, just keeping my eyes glued to the ground. I was terrified. I was terrified. <laughs> I like the way that uh, you guys in Canada have your political systems. In the United States, we only have two basic parties, the Democrats and Republicans. And if I can remember right, you guys have what five? Well, depending parties? on the cycle, right now in the in the House of uh, Commons, federally anyway, we have a conservative party, we have a liberal party, we have a more left leaning party called the New Democratic Party, uh, and then we have this. It's kind of a regional party that's Quebec only, and it's the it's the uh, Bloc Québécois. So we have four in the House of Commons, and then occasionally you have some sitting as an independent. We used to have out west, we used to have the Social Credit Party, um, but they haven't been uh, heard from in quite a while. So we have four. Uh-huh. But at least you got a little bit more give and take up there than we do down here. Well, here's the problem, because, you know, within the conservative, let's say within the Republican Party, you have, you know, you've got the Freedom Caucus, and you've got the more moderates, and then you've got, you know, the more libertarian wing. So... It's not just, it's, it's a big tent, and it's, you know, and, and there's, 
there's gradation there, and even within the Democratic Party. Of course, you have the Southern Democrats, which tend to be more conservative, <laughs> and then you've got you've got the more now you've got the Elizabeth Warrens, and and you've got um, uh, uh, you know this is sort of unprecedented how left leaning certain portions of the Democratic Party are. So I you know I would say within those two parties, it's a pretty wide spectrum, really. And the other thing is up here we have such party discipline that parties tend to vote as a block on everything. Oh. So. It's very rigid. I don't like that aspect of the parliamentary system. In the United States, at least, you, you, you know, you've got Republicans who are voting with, with Democrats on some issues and not on others. So party discipline up here is a little too rigid, I think. Okay. Well, Scott, great to hear from you. Be safe. Play safe tomorrow. Enjoy the eclipse. Prayer helps. You know, you talk about changing things. Yes. And uh, we can only change ourselves, and prayer helps change other people. Absolutely. Scott, I'm a big believer in that. Thank you. All right, let's say hello to our good uh, media friend, media scientist friend, Nelson Thal, checking in from Toronto. Hey, Nelson, how are you? Good morning, buddy. Good morning, Rich. Uh, It's uh, been fun watching. Uh, We like to summarize as we've been going on over these many years, make sure events don't get by without leaving some breadcrumbs that we weren't fooled, right? All right. What's on your mind? Well, I think this re- this whole thing that's going on in the United States is just, of course, media scientists haven't been fooled. This is just another program media event of the Rockefeller, Clinton, Bush, Klansman. Um, they wrote it up, by the way. The Clintons exposed this in a blueprint when he was the president. Uh, we talked about it. It was called the, a report done by the White House communication branch. It's called the Communication Stream of Conspiracy Commerce. Right, I remember that, and it's yes. And talk about how they can rent a movement rent a whole movement. It's a top-down operation appearing to look as if it's bottom-up grassroots, which it's not. Well, it is interesting. Earlier we had Megan Barth on, and she was talking about how the Virginia Governor Governor McAuliffe had called um, a state of emergency even before the, the protest began. Uh, and the then we had re- gave you, yeah, the guys who gave us weapons of mass destruction lie, and the lie about the babies being thrown on the hospital floor in Kuwait. Remember that? Yes, yes. Come on, it, when when are people going to realize that the guys who've been lying to us for years, magic bullet theory and all the other stuff? They're just putting, they've got more money. Rockefeller and Soros write a check. If they don't, then there's no damaged statues this week, Rich. Well, it is interesting when you, when you take a look at what McAuliffe did, Governor McAuliffe, calling for a state of emergency before the protest. And then we had reports from the ACLU and others, not, you know, necessarily friendly to conservatives, reporting that it appeared as if the police were herding the two groups together. And then they yeah. backed off. Yeah. So they were yeah. expecting fireworks. It's almost like they wanted fireworks. It's a real silent with minority. With very tragic being, results. It's a silent minority, though, made to look as if it's a big, big, big group. Well, that's right. Group. Let's face it. It's, these... not, it's just a small little minority group that's been, that Rockefeller, Soros, and the gang are writing a big check to turn into a rent a movement, rent a TV show, rent the media. We own the media. Use it. It's just a big fake. Well, the well, the um, you know the scum, the, the scum that killed. are the Don't the white. I'm not saying the girl didn't get killed. Right. That's terrible. That's horrendous. So hearts go out to them. But put that aside. This is just a programmed event, rent a movement, et cetera, et cetera. I uh, I think there's some uh, absolutely some truth to that, Nelson. It breaks my heart to say that uh, that both sides 
both conservatives and liberals, we are being used as bloody battering rams. Who's in control is sort of just beyond our grasp. Nelson Thal, media scientist. Let me point out, Nelson is, of course, a uh, devotee of uh, communications legend Marshall McLuhan, and Nelson's website is McLuhanTactics.com, McLuhanTactics.com. All right, we'll get back to your uh, questions, comments on our open line segment. Again, 1-866-744-740. Poking holes in the darkness. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Ian is here. Albert is here. Ryan is away. I am here. We're happy that you're here with us. Just a reminder again, I just want to uh, remind you about uh, the fact that we, uh, most Sundays anyway, we stream live on YouTube. And the YouTube channel, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And we are looking to get those subscriptions up to uh, 10,000. 10,000 subs we're looking sometime in 2017. I don't know. It now seems like a bit of a tall order. We are around, I think, just around 5,600, 5,600. Not bad. We can do better. And I need your help. We need to get these uh, subs uh, up to around that 10,000. And um, uh, as always, we... uh, we encourage you to visit the website, strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca. And that's kind of a, a catch-all website for all of my various projects, but there is a radio page, and you can find The Conspiracy Show there. And uh, all of the program information you need about this week's show is there, including the guest and links to their websites and names of their books uh, and, and, um, and so forth. There's also an affiliates page where you can find out where this show plays near you. All right, let's go back uh, to the phones, and uh, this time we're going to Hamilton, Hamilton, Ontario, I'm assuming, and uh, Les is joining us. Les, good morning. Yes, hello. Hi there. Yes, um, I just wanted to tell you that, um, oops, we've got an echo here. Um, uh, You did a story about um, the treasure of the... um, uh, temple of Jerusalem. Uh, the second temple. Uh, we had uh, Rabbi Harry Moskov on uh, last week. I had him earlier on Coast to Coast, and he is ready to, he believes he knows uh, uh, the location, um, sort of a hidden cave in Jerusalem uh, that um, that contains artifacts, priceless no doubt, artifacts from the second temple of, uh, of Jerusalem. Uh, yes, I believe I know where there may be another catch. It's uh, uh, in the Royal Ontario Museum. Ah. It's not recognized as such, but um, I was struck by the uh, similarity of the these bronze vessels to the ones that were found in the Cave of Letters. Interesting. And these would date back to the Second Temple or Solomon's Temple? Uh, well, they, they came from the third temple, okay, and they would have been hidden sometime around 70 A.D. You mean the second temple? There has, we're waiting for the third temple. <laughs> the second temple. Oh, oh yes, uh, Herod's temple. Right. Um, Interesting. So you're saying that they be, that they are likely from the second temple, but they are not being recognized as such. Yes. Um, the problem is, is that. Um, the catch that was found in the, in the cave of letters is not re- being recognized as being from the temple, even though there's compelling evidence that they are actually item 25 from the, co- the copper scrolls. Hmm. 
Interesting. Uh, a document, there was a documentary, uh, a Nova documentary, titled Ancient Refuge in the Holy Land. Uh, okay, you'll, you'll find a um, transcript of it on their website. And uh, I had seen that um, documentary, and when I was at the Royal Ontario Museum, uh, about a year or two after that, I was uh, I couldn't help but be struck by this catch that was on display there that um, it said it was found um, buried in Jerusalem. Hmm, interesting. You know what I'm going to do, Les, is uh, next time I'm in communication with Rabbi Mount Moskov, Harry Moskov, I'm going to ask him about that, and because uh, his family uh, lives not too far from here, where I'm sitting, and... Um, he comes to visit them quite often. When he's not in Israel, I believe he's in the area. So I'm going to ask him about that. And um, he, I'm wondering if he's aware of that. That's fascinating. Well, thank you for sharing that information, Les. Um, thank you. I recommend you go down there yourself. I don't know if it's still on display or not, but you could ask museum staff about it. Right. I will do that. Thank you. I'm overdue for a visit with uh, my little guys to the uh, Royal Ontario Museum. All right, let's say hi to uh, Scott in Massachusetts. Hello, Scott. Welcome. Good. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Uh, I come from America, Massachusetts in particular, and what's going on in America with the statues removed, Confederate flags, that's just a front, a phony front. What's really going on is George Soros is the evil puppet master who is behind all of this. Uh, he is an international Jewish communist and international banker and fifth columnist. He's behind the Occupy Wall Street movement. Well, I, it's not. I don't think it's necessary to identify his his you know his ethnicity. That doesn't bear any um, you know bear any importance in this discussion, except for the fact that he you know on 60 Minutes uh, he was asked about you know whether or not he participated in betraying uh, the Jews there in Hungary be, during the uh, the Nazi occupation, because as a teenager. Um, this this much we do know that he um, he um, was able to hide his his um, identity by pretending to be a Christian and um, but there is some suggestion that he participated in helping the Nazis take property from Hungarian Jews uh, and he's asked this question directly but anyway I don't, I don't want to. You know, uh, so George Soros, his name comes up a lot. He, um, his open democracy organization, he has been, it's been suggested that he has been behind a lot of these, uh, what they call the color revolutions in the Middle yeah, East by yeah. funding them. Yes, he does. He's got billions. He throws it around. He was uh, thrown out of Russia by Vladimir Putin for manipulating the ruble, and he made billions more by manipulating the English pound. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is, is that in America today, we, America has a Zionist occupied government, meaning, the Jews do control. No, okay. Now you're gone. Okay. No, I'm not going to allow that nonsense to stand on this air. Okay. I'm not going to allow it. All right, Scott. You're not welcome on the program if you're going to come to the fore with that nonsense. All right. Let's say hi. Is it Walk in London, Ontario? Walk? No, I'm sorry. Is that the correct name? Walk or Walker? Who do we have here? Hello. Hi there. Your hi, first Walter, name? By the way. Walter. I'm sorry. Hi, Walter. I could change it to Walker. Yes, I was uh, also thinking about the statue uh, situation with Cornwall in uh, Canada and Robert E. Lee. Interesting. And, uh, how all these groups uh, feel sorry for the suffering of their ancestors, you know. And I just recently found out I was of uh, Irish descent. Well, the Irish were enslaved. I mean, they were treated pretty much as slaves when they came to America. Yes, 
because I've been reflecting on the potato famine and all the suffering uh, yes. going on with the potato famine and all that. And uh, I found recently when I go into grocery stores, I'm kind of depressed when I see the potatoes there. You know, that's so true. Uh, f- um, we found, um, my wife was out shopping, a 50-pound bag of potatoes, and it was selling for, I think it was around $10. 50 pounds uh-huh. for $10. You're right. I, I pity the, the poor potato farmer. Yes, well, it reminds me of all the suffering of my ancestors, and I wonder if we could ban potatoes. Well, you know, I know you're being, facetious, you're being facetious, but you're making a good point, and that is uh, that... Here's here's the the fact. In the United States, North America, uh, they didn't invent slavery, but they ended it. Uh, and yet today there are there are millions and millions of people who are slaves living in different parts of the world. So right. slavery continues. My wife is of Greek heritage. Her people were enslaved by the Turks right. uh, for 400 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, brutal, brutal occupation in Greece, uh, where they were forced uh, to uh, to learn. You know, they couldn't speak the Greek language. Uh, their churches were forced underground. Um, beheadings, torture. You know, you you name it. The Armenians, of course, uh, and that horrible thing where you know just slaughtered. So every group at one point. You, talk, you look at um, you know Aboriginals in in Canada, of course. Certain groups treated absolutely uh, horrible, and we know that, we recognize it, we must be sensitive to it. But then you had, for example, um, warring factions within the Aboriginal um, nations. You had the Haida, who were a marauding, rampaging group who took slaves. So the, the history of the world is the history of occupied, defeated peoples. Um, you know, no nationality has been... Uh, has escaped slavery at some point. The Slavs, of course, uh, where do they get that name in, in, in Eastern Europe, the Slavic people, from the fact that they were slaves. Oh, yeah. That doesn't mean that we, 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 we shouldn't be and we must be sensitive to the plight of, of, of African Americans. And, and uh, yes, they are still feeling the, um, the ravages of, of slavery, but they are also, they've also been uh, victimized by horrible government policy, in many cases, well-meaning, the creation of this, uh, you know, a welfare state under Lyndon and Johnson, damaged and tore families apart, and we're, and and uh, th- th- those communities are still feeling the effects of that. Where we need to move beyond what's happened hundreds of years ago. Well, we we need to move beyond it, but we also need to be open to talk about it when when the need arises. But that's the key. It's we need to sit down and talk about it. If, for example, somebody says that you know the the presence of this statue uh is you know is 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 hurtful to me or it's we need to be open to at least talk about it rather than you know we have these now we have these rampaging marauding mobs uh tearing down defacing public property and then we have the police standing by and saying well we'll just let them work it out and and uh work it out of their system that's bad policy bad policy there's a problem now and that goes a kind of a minuscule thing in the first place to worry about statues or historical statues that have uh, represented historical facts that are beyond our control well my it was my brother-in-law who actually i thought had a great idea he mentioned it to me and that is a possible solution if you have a, a, a statue that's that that points back to the you know the civil war era um wh- why not right next to that statue you put an even bigger statue of rosa parks or martin luther king jr or um, Harriet Tubman, or you know, 
John Brown or any of the you know the, any of these uh, um, fig- historical figures, so that both parts are represented. But the you know the civil rights uh, leaders and so forth, their statues loom even larger, and that that shows the whole the the history right and the evolution of the United States. Yes, like they say, teachable moment. One hundred percent. Our prime minister, he jumps on a lot of these issues. I think we get him to. Uh apologize to me for the potato famine and all the Irish Canadians, and perhaps we get some compensation from Ottawa. <laughs> well, Walter, all the Irish Canadians. you are being facetious, but you're making a, 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 um, a an, an important uh, point, and I thank you I'm for it. Thank you. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Walter. 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. Toll free from out of town. 1-866-744-740. Um, listen, if you're willing to come to the table with some positive ideas about how to heal America, then I'm all ears. If you want to come on here and spread hate, forget it, all right? It's not going to happen. I won't allow it. It's ugly. We need to find a way to move back from the brink. Both sides. We need to stop painting each other with these brushes of you're this and you're that and you're a Nazi and you're a communist and you're that's going to take us over the edge are we going to is the United States seriously going to go down this path and refight the civil war I think Nelson Thal is on to something when he says there are forces out there that are using the right and the left as bloody battering rams they want this to happen it's up to us to make sure that it doesn't now, we have been uh, trying to reach out uh, to uh, John Geddes, author of Be a Hero, The Essential Guide to Active Shooter Incidents, and it doesn't look like it's going to happen. There's a big time difference. He's over in England. Um, I'm wondering, just off the top of my head, what do you think? What if we were, I don't know if he's still available, what if we were to reach back to, what do you think about this idea, Albert? Marshall Masters, get him back on here, and let's talk a little bit more about Planet X. I mean, he dropped a bombshell. I think we need to flesh that out a little bit. Do you think he'd be good for that? Yeah, why don't we do that? Can you uh, reach out to him? All right, we'll do that. And uh, we can also take some calls in the meantime as well. We'll continue the open line segment, and uh, we'll reach out to uh, Marshall Masters and continue to talk about Planet X. Stay with us right here on The Conspiracy Show. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, welcome back. We have uh, reached out to uh, Marshall Masters. Uh, the uh, former CNN science feature writer, producer, MarshallMasters.com. He was on earlier talking about uh, Planet X. Uh, and we just had a short time with him, but I wanted to bring him back, if we can, for the last uh, dur- the duration of the uh, what remains of the program to um, uh, perhaps take some calls. Uh, because let's face it, that's uh, pretty <laughs> alarming stuff to suggest that this um, son's twin nemesis is uh, going to swing by the Earth sometime before the end of the year, dragging with it all these, well, the uh, a small constellation that's going to have potentially catastrophic uh, consequences. So um, would love to uh, to revisit that topic. Well, I, I won't say love. I think it necessitates we re- revisit that topic. And uh, perhaps you have uh, questions and comments for, uh, for Marshall. Uh, would also just love to hear your take on Planet X and whether you subscribe to this idea that there is these celestial bodies uh, floating out there and that they are heading our way and that Zechariah Sitchin, who, who wrote about this back in uh, around 1976, that this information, after 
uh, translating these uh, cuneiform tablets from the uh, ancient Sumerian um, that identified this planet Nibiru. And uh, one of, I guess, three planets dragged behind Nemesis. Again, this elliptical orbit lasting 3,600 years. Uh, and the last time they swung by, I guess, was... Um, um, that take us to the the, age, the time of the flood, perhaps? Was responsible for the flood? So Marshall Masters is saying that it's coming by again. And uh, before 2017 is over... And we will see coastal flooding. We will see earthquakes. We will see major, major earth changes. 416-360-0740. So if you'd like to uh, talk about Planet X, I would love your take on Planet X. Toll free from out of town, 1-866-740-4740. Also, if you'd like to talk about the eclipse tomorrow. Well, it's actually later today, right? It's um, just hours away. Are you planning to uh, be or have you arrived in the uh, what they're calling the path of totality? I love that that uh, term. The path of totality. It sounds like the, the name of a of a heavy metal uh, uh, album or something. The path of totality. Are you walking the path of totality? But this is the the narrow band um, that uh, stretches from Oregon in the northwest all the way south to either South Carolina or Florida, and within that narrow band. For those precious three minutes, you will get the uh, the Lollapalooza eclipse. You get the 100%. And if you're outside that band, depending on the distance, you'll get a partial eclipse to varying degrees. So, for example, here in Toronto, I believe it's going to be, what, around 70%? Still pretty impressive. But again, I caution you. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to sound like the... Um, you know, the hovering parent, but please, please take any and all precautions. And if you, if you bought a pair of those, um, eclipse glasses, make sure, make sure that, uh, they, they will, pr- they'll protect you, that they will offer the protection as advertised. Don't take any chances with your eyes. All right. I am, uh, with some hesitation, <laughs> I'm going to try. Now, I'm, Keith in Rochester, I'm going to ask you to behave yourself. Let's have a civil discussion, please. Are you there, Keith? Yes, uh, I'm going to take you at your word, sir, that we can talk, and I'm going to be very blunt. I called in at one minute to midnight, and I think you've been dodging me because you saw on your screen that... uh... I'm taking your call, Keith. If that's the way you're going to begin, then just let's forget it. I'm asking for civil discourse and some positive ideas, and I'm, and that's what, that's where we're going to go with this. If you don't want to play along, then you find another, another platform. Uh, I want to talk like a mature adult. Can you, I talk about the origins of racism? Well, let me let me again let me again lay the ground rules here because what I am trying to do is walk us back. We are living on the precipice here, Keith, and I don't want I don't want to allow anything that's going to put this is we are living in extraordinary times that requires some delicacy and some brinkmanship and what I need is an ambassador from either side to come forward with some positive ideas on how we're going to get ourselves out from this. If you have something uh, that fits that bill, then I'm all ears. If you want to spew uh, rancor or hate, uh, then I'm not interested. Well, I only represent myself. I keep and register. I'm an American citizen. I speak only for me. Uh, I want to ask pointedly, and hopefully you won't hang up, we have two families in Kissimmee, Florida, 
their husbands and fathers, two police officers, are now deceased. We had two other officers shot and wounded in Jacksonville, Florida, and two state troopers wounded in Pennsylvania. It was a horrible weekend for, 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 the, men in, for the men and women in blue, to be sure. I want to ask plaintively of everyone, what are we going to do about this? Now, I don't see how uh, this is racist. Uh, uh, I could go into details of Kissimmee, and then you probably will cut me off. But I want to know, when you say for yourself, you Richard Serrett, let's talk honestly and openly, and with someone like me, maybe you think I have an axe to grind, but I don't think I do. Well, the, as far as I can tell, Keith, the, the, uh, the events with these police officers, in one case, they responded to a call where uh, someone was um, you know, threatening to commit suicide. Uh, we had another event where it was a um, an individual with a criminal record who was uh, known to police. I mean, we're talking about uh, happenstance here. This was not an orchestrated attack on on police officers. Uh, you know, as part of there's no connection is what I'm saying to the recent events uh, in Charlottesville. The, the main stumbling block, if you want to go to a Charlottesville in our country, Canada will have to speak for itself. Everyone knows that the big stumbling block since colonial times has always been race in capital black letters. So before you hang up on me, am I allowed to say that the two officers in Kissimmee were white and their murderer is an avowed black nationalist? Is that racist on my part for me to call into a show based in Toronto, Canada? Am I looked upon now in these days... Uh, that I, Keith, an American, am racist for even bringing up that the officers were white and their murderer an avowed black nationalist. Well, if that's the case, if that's true, and he was targeting them simply because they were police and because they were white, then no, that's certainly fair. That's fair comment, and that's that is a concern. But it speaks again to where we're at right now, particularly in the United States, with this divisiveness. And do we want to go back and start you know, fighting a civil war again? And this time, the civil war isn't going to be north versus south. It's going to be city block by city block because the divisiveness is has so set in, even between families, house against you know household against household. It's that's where we're at. Uh, so the question is, how do we get ourselves out of it? Keith, thank you for that. You know, I'm fine with what you said. All right. Have a good evening. All right. You too. I just I want people to understand, though, the sensitivity now that we need to bring to this situation when we're talking about these things. We're on the precipice. We need to be sensitive. Yes, we need to speak the truth, but we need to be sensitive. When we come back, uh, Marshall Masters, God bless him, was good enough to uh, pop back in, and we'll uh, we'll talk some more about Planet X. I don't want to call this a diversion, a much-needed diversion, because we're talking potential cataclysm, folks, but uh, uh, we will discuss on the other side. Stay with us. The truth will set you free, but first, it will really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Well, we are uh, so delighted. Uh, what a kind gentleman. Marshall Masters has rejoined us, uh, the uh, author of Surviving the Planet X Tribulation. He was on with us earlier, and um, we've brought him back because this is uh, this is a real bombshell. You know, this potential impending 
doom and gloom, something wicked this way comes. The idea that uh, the Earth's twin, uh, the, the Sun's twin nemesis is going to swing by sometime before the end of 2017, dragging with it uh, a small constellation which includes Planet X or Nibiru, popularized, of course, by author Zechariah Sitchin back in the, uh, the 1970s, uh, and that this is going to cause major uh, perturbations. I mean, um, uh, we're talking pole shift here. We're talking um, uh, earthquakes. Uh, this, he says, we'll survive it. But I wanted to bring him back on and get some more details. So, first of all, Marshall, thank you so much for uh, for coming back on. Is Marshall there? There he is. Marshall, thanks Hi. again for coming back on. I appreciate it. Oh. My pleasure. You're a savvy host. I enjoy working with savvy hosts. Oh, uh, thank you. Very kind of you. So I wanted to uh, just revisit this, and for those just joining us, again, I uh, tried to sort of describe in a nutshell what uh, what Planet X, what it is and what it means. Um, what, but when you say that it's going to, it will likely cause a pole shift, uh, that doesn't mean that the North Pole suddenly becomes the South Pole and the South Pole becomes the North Pole overnight, does it? Or are we talking more of a geomagnetic shift? Well, we're talking about three different possibilities. There's a magnetic pole shift where the magnetic north pole flips, and we have the north pole is on in the south and vice versa. Now, that's already starting to take place. Yes. The magnetic pole is moving, and airports are having to renumber their runways because they're using magnetic headings. That's to right. Designate their runways. Birds are falling out of the uh, sky. That's right. And uh, the other two issues about a pole shift are going to be a crustal shift and an axial shift. A crustal shift is that the lithosphere of the planet, the skin of the planet, literally rotates. Now, if it were to flip head over heels, some people suggest, I mean, that would take the planet back to single-cell life. It would be terrible. Right, That's right. That's a planet killer. That's not going to happen. Let's be clear about that. That's You're saying not it's going to happen. Okay. That's right. Uh, it's more, I agree with that, Dames, uh, about a 10 to 12% shift. What does that mean? It would be, for example, um, a place like uh, Montana near the Canadian border, after the shift would have weather more similar to Colorado or northern New Mexico, assuming the shift went in that direction. All right. Then uh, there's going to be the possibility of an axial shift. We're tilted on our axis 23.5 degrees. And if that shifts, that's going to either if it shifts to a smaller amount, then we wind up with two seasons. If it goes to a greater extent, we'll have four seasons, but they're going to be much more extreme with uh, winter and summer. So those are the three possibilities. It could be any number of things that's going to happen. But we know the planet's already been through a pole shift once before. That was the deluge account. There are over 150 deluge accounts in the history and folklore of various peoples across the globe. Right. And in the Colburn Bible, there, for example, is the story of Sasuda and Hanok, which uh, is very much in parallel with the story of Noah and the Flood. And um, the thing is that, you know, as the folklore goes, 
the ark was built on the side of a hill. It wasn't built in a harbor. And the reason for that is, and then also, by the way, there's always some form of divine or extraterrestrial intervention in this story and the various folklore, as it is with Noah, as it is with Suda and Hanok in the Colbert Bible. Right. And Gilgamesh. That's right. That's right. And the reason for the ark being built on the side of a hill is if you have a mile-high tsunami and it's smashing inland, once it crosses over land, it starts losing its force because it's crossing dry land, and then it's going to eventually ebb. And the ark was constructed in such a place where when that tsunami came in, it ebbed under the keel of the ark, lifting it off the chocks, and then pulling it back out to sea. And that explains why the ark was built on the side of a of a hill. All right. Are, are you yeah. expecting, uh, I mean, is that in the cards also, is a world, like a global deluge? There's, uh, I just published an article uh, that signs 15, the nemesis cloud. And what I'm talking about, the nemesis cloud, because uh, the Bible talks above and below the, therm- the firmament. And scientists have discovered vast subterranean oceans on the planet. They're huge. So those could have been part of Noah's flood. But then there's the 40 days and 40 nights. And if scientists take a limited view of saying, well, it's just, you know, there's not enough surface water on the planet to make that happen, then they stand pat. But what I'm saying is that the nemesis dark star would have a cloud of ice around it, no different than the Oort cloud that surrounds our solar system, and that Earth would then pass through the nemesis cloud. That ice would then melt, evaporate into Uh the atmosphere as it descends, and then condense back into water, forming rain, and hence you have a deluge. Fascinating. So this is what we're looking at. The reason why we came to this conclusion is we have been studying what happened after the, the December 21, 2012 date. I mean, people really feel they got led down a rabbit hole and burned on that. But what the Mayans were really doing, good prophecy always has two dates. It has a harbinger date. And it has an event date. The harbinger tells you that you're on the timeline to the event. Right, which was what, 2012, the winter solstice was. That's the harbinger date, right? That was the harbinger date. And uh, it was a very specific celestial alignment. This is how the ancients were timing these harbingers. Uh, For example, uh, this September 23. Uh, there's a lot of buzz on the Internet about the Revelation 12, 1 and 2 prophecy that, you know, many believe would we would then see Nibiru showing up around that time. And, I, you know, you mentioned one other researcher that holds that position. David Mead, yes. And uh, that is a very, again, that's a very unique celestial alignment that actually predates uh, the five books of Moses. So it would be something that once 
the prophecy was written. It would only happen after the book had been written, not before. So how do you feel about Mead's September 23rd prediction or prognostication? How do you feel about that? Well, my philosophy on all predictions and uh, is that you should always be mindful of them, but do not live in expectation of them. When you live in expectation of a prophecy, it sets you up for manipulation by disinformationalists. All right. Let's say November comes, December comes, and still no nemesis dragging along Nibiru and these other celestial bodies. Uh, does that mean it's never going to happen? Does that mean that the calculations are off and it could be 2018? Or is it is it without question it's happening sometime in 2017? Well, I mean, I'm routinely publishing uh, wonderful observation photos now where we're picking up objects in the nemesis system. MarshallMasters.com. 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 So uh, what I say to people is this: uh, what we have here is what I call an Amtrak trajectory. Uh, It's like an Amtrak train. You don't know exactly when it's going to pull into the station, but you know it's eventually going to get there. And that's how I see this, because, you know, uh, we're just making the observations, the objects are getting larger, and uh, what I really take most seriously are at altitude, pictures that are people are taking in commercial airliners, because they're, they're really, they have a good horizon, and they're above the chemtrail air. Right. So... When will it be visible? When will it be visible to the naked eye in the sky for most of us? You said something earlier about it being the size of the moon at some point. That said, Dames is saying in November it'll be the size of the moon. And I think that is probably likely this year that we're going to see we're going to see Nibiru. Remember, this is a mini constellation. We have a brown dwarf at the core, and it has planets and moons and planetoids orbiting it as well and so they're going to pop out at us literally kind of one at a time as this is arcing around the sun past the point of perihelion its closest distance to the sun well at that point how are the how is nasa how is the government going to explain this away at that point it'll be readily apparent to everyone on the planet that it's coming our way well what you're most likely going to hear is it's not going to hit us, and that'll be a statement of truth. And then they'll say it's just going to be an interesting light show. And when people hear it's not going to hit us, then they're going to switch off, and they're not. That that's it. It'll just be an interesting light show, and that's what it will be initially. Uh, but then things will begin to build. We're going to have more and more incidents of uh, extreme solar weather. Uh, We're going to see more fireballs, things like this. That'll make people nervous. About the point where they come back on to the the fake news channels. And here, let me be blunt. I mean, in the 80s, I was... Okay, it's got to be quick. I got to wrap up here, Marshall, so... Okay. So, I mean, what we're going to hear is disinformation. No doubt. Don't worry about it. Go shopping. All right, but we should worry about it, and we'll talk about it again. Marshall, thank you again for coming on, and we'll have you on um, more and more if we can. 
All right, that's it for us. Thank you. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Albert. Back with a brand-new program next week. Hope you're along for the ride. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.